0: <laughs> Damn it, oh! Somebody tell him he's a rookie. and welcome everybody clipper nation what's going on jesse cass here with you for a brand new episode of the believe in clippers podcast here on the believe podcast network as we mentioned a week ago we are going to keep this thing rolling even through the nba stoppage and really the the world stoppage with the uh, the coronavirus going on and everyone pretty much quarantined and stuck at home. So going to provide a little bit of entertainment here once a week on the Believe Podcast Network here at the Believe and Clippers pod. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. We're also available wherever else podcasts are found, including Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeart, whatever you need there follow along at Believe.com and also several new social media handles. There's already Believe Podcast. There's a new Believe Sports, Believe Health. So go check that out. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all available there. Uh, with that said, here we are here on a brand new episode continuing to to navigate through this very uncertain and and troubling time. But as I said, we're going to try to keep it positive, keep it fun here on this episode. If you're out there, hope that you're remaining safe, you're staying home as much as possible, washing your hands, and uh, just trying to navigate through as we all are. So here on this brand new episode, uh, we'll give you a few quick updates just kind of regarding the coronavirus and how it pertains to the NBA. But then following that, I said, we're going to try to lighten it a little bit. Uh, on this episode, having been following the Clippers since I was a little kid, been very fortunate enough to be able to attend a lot of games. Used to have season tickets back at the sports arena and at times during the Staples Center run as well. So I'm gonna, no real specific list, but kind of go through just off the top of the brain, the memory of some of the best games that I've been able to attend in person. And I think that a lot of the Clipper fans will like going down this nostalgic road with me and talk about some of the games that come to mind in memory most quickly. So that'll be the focus of this week's episode. As we said, we'll give you kind of the quick updates of of what's going on around the NBA before then. So with that, uh, as we said, we're kind of still in the holding pattern with the NBA. We know that, of course, it all started, I can't believe it's just been a little over a week. It feels like it's been multiple weeks and even months at this point. But obviously, time a little bit different right now with everyone kind of stuck at home. But just a little over a week ago, of course, uh, Rudy Gobert becoming the first NBA player to test positive for the coronavirus. And we've seen several others since then with, with positive tests including his teammate Donovan Mitchell Heard the two Lakers with the most recent announcements Marcus Smart of the Celtics Kevin Durant and three other Brooklyn Nets so uh, also uh, staffers from multiple teams a lot uh, around the league and it just adds to kind of the the uncertainty of when the NBA season will continue if the NBA season will continue and and what that'll look like in the future so we're kind of in this holding pattern right now, as we said, and we wish and hope that all of those players and staffers who are affected by this recover well and stay healthy throughout all of this uh, in their home isolation and, and get through uh, any sickness that they're dealing with. But uh, as as it pertains to the NBA, right now, it, it doesn't seem like we're going to have any action for a couple months at least, and we'll see if the season is able to return at all. Clearly, this virus is not only spread across the country as a whole, but the league, of course, no one uh, is immune to it, and of course that doesn't exclude the NBA. So we've seen the multiple players that we mentioned that have it now. Uh, obviously, they will need to recover. The country at whole will need to recover. The the NBA will need to find potential dates until the the summer if they want to continue the season, and and we'll see how they they go about it. I don't think we'll see crowds for the rest of this NBA season, if even if action is able to return. Uh, it just doesn't seem safe or smart at this point to to have that as a as a realistic option, unless maybe potentially if the playoffs run all the way into to August and we get the finals in that. Maybe at that point we're ready to see crowds again. But as I said, it's it's all kind of unknown right now. So uh, I do think that there is still the possibility of a season and finishing the season. And of course, for for Clipper fans and fans around the league, that's clearly the hope. As we mentioned last week. There are obviously much more important things than basketball and sports right now going on, but as Clipper fans and Clipper Nation clearly waiting so long through so many dark years to have a true, legit championship contender and arguably the deepest and most talented team in the league with a real shot to win it, it would really be kind of heartbreaking if the season were not able to continue and see this team kind of try to fulfill its destiny, especially with all the pieces that they've added over the past couple of months and weeks with... We're filling out the roster with, of course, Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson and now Joakim Noah to add even more depth. It's a team that is an incredible team, and they've been getting better and better as the season has gone on, and now just this hiatus is is tough and for a lot of reasons, and a lot of teams, of course. The Bucks, I'm sure, feel the same. Laker fans feel the same as well, but especially for Clipper Nation, who's had a lot of dark times to have a team this good and have it kind of come to a screeching halt is, is really tough. So we'll see... If the season is able to continue, any updates we get we will obviously pass those along as the time goes by, but right now it doesn't look like we're getting anything anytime soon on that front, so the only thing we can do is watch some old highlights, talk about some old games, and try to have some fun, reminisce about some good stuff, and we'll do that here, as we said, on the Believe in Clippers podcast, so coming up, talking about some of the best games that I've been able to attend as a as a Clipper fan uh, throughout the years, so Here we go! Believe in Clippers podcast. After a quick word from our new sponsor, Bet Online. While you're waiting this out at home with us, you can sell some fun betting with BetOnline.com. Now I know what you're thinking: No March Madness, no NBA, nothing's really going on sports wise right now. But, but you're wrong. Bet Online has still got you covered. Hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino with poker and blackjack, and. Sports aren't totally done either. They're still mixed martial arts. American Idol, got to bet on that. Who's going to win? Great singing going on. The elections, of course. The Spelling Bee. I mean, are you kidding me? There was, what, like nine winners last year? Can you imagine if you hit the hedge on that bet and had a nine-way tie for the win? You'd be rolling in money right now. And Nathan's hot dog eating contest, always a big-time bet. So there is still fun to be had at betonline.com. If you go and use the promo code MYPOD100, you receive 50% off with your welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right. For your listeners out there, 50% off with your promo code MYPOD100. Bet online, the fun never ends. All right, and as we get into it here on the Believe in Clippers podcast, I mentioned going to be breaking down some of my favorite personal games that I've been able to attend at Clipper games throughout the years. Uh, and I feel like Clipper fans, no matter where you are, but especially ones that are local, grew up in LA, always get these questions from. Of course, a lot of Laker fans, because they really dominate the city, but why? Why you guys Clipper fans? Like, what what are you doing? I'm sure you've heard it. I've heard it a lot. Uh, For me, personally, my family's from New York, so we do have Knicks ties as well, but uh, growing up, we had tickets at the sports arena. We had great seats. We were in the third row at the sports arena. Dirt cheap, because the team was awful. You know, those teams that had 18-game losing streaks perennial last place finishes, everything that you can remember from that time from the Clippers. That's kind of where I got my start. So the ability to, to go to a lot of basketball games and kind of develop a love for a team, even though it was a team that was awful, uh, but a team, uh, regardless, that was able to watch basketball up and close often. So, you know, remembering those teams with, with Loy Vaught, Terry DeHair, and Eric Piakowski, that was kind of what I grew up on when I was young, Born in 1988, so got attending a lot of those games throughout the you know the early 90s and, and mid 90s, and having that opportunity at the sports arena was always exciting. And I know that a lot of people would probably go to those games to see opposing players and teams, and that certainly wasn't a bad thing either. Uh, but that's kind of where I developed my love and, and fandom of, of the Clippers. So getting that firsthand experience, up close and personal, and and really seeing a lot of basketball and. You know, from those sports arena days, trying to remember specific games is, is tough because, granted, you know, five, six, seven years old going to those games. But I do remember pretty vividly, at least for being that age, being at the the David Robinson 71 point game, last game of the season, uh, allowing Robinson to win the scoring title. Uh, I was there in that one. Uh, I just remember kind of not every single detail of the game, but just being there and being like, wow, this guy is scoring again and again. And again, and to that point where essentially the whole crowd was just so amazed that started cheering for Robinson. Obviously, the season was well out of hand at that point. Uh, and seeing that close up, I mean, one of the best scoring performances in NBA history. So the fact that I was there, even if very little, the memory of it is a little blurry, uh, still exciting, and that's kind of one of the first examples of being able to see great basketball up close and in person. So clearly, that's not a great... Clippers memory on its own, but getting that introduction to basketball at the sports arena uh, so often was really a big part of developing my intense love and passion for basketball. So that's kind of where it started. Uh, Got to see a lot of those games at the sports arena, as I said, and then moving over to the Staples Center and getting to see a lot of games there as well. And thinking about the move to the Staples Center and kind of the first memories of that, clearly the Clippers franchise has had a lot of pain and frustration through the years. So those are kind of some of the early memories that come up, and just thinking of the first games off the top of the head, remember Lamar Odom, of course, leaving the Clippers and going to the Miami Heat when he had his first return, actually it was a great ball game, Clippers and Heat have had a lot of good games, especially in the Staples Center, but I remember Odom turning the ball over with about 10 seconds to go and giving the Clippers a chance to win, they were down one, and then Corey Maggette not getting a shot off in time and, and losing by one, I remember being at a game against the Timberwolves where Kevin Garnett Hit a fadeaway jumper at the buzzer. Uh, so, those are the early re- returns of those games and those teams with Marco Jaric, and of course, mentioned McGetty came in, of course, Elton Brand coming into the fold. So, those are the early ones. But the 06 year and even before that 05, when the Clippers were kind of starting to emerge as a young, exciting team, are really kind of the ones that I really remember the most uh, before leading into the Lob City era. Uh, you know, I mentioned the 05 team. How good was Bobby Simmons in his? that one year with the clippers where in 2004 where he ended up winning the nba's most improved player averaged over 16 points and nearly 6 rebounds. I remember he had a couple of really big games with clutch shots and seemed like he was going to be a long-time productive player and obviously he ended up going in other places and being a serviceable player but never kind of living up to that one season with the clippers. But but as mentioned some of the games that I've been to that really stand out the first one that comes to mind was in the 2004-05 season where Clippers and Heat, this was when Shaq had just been traded to the Miami Heat. I believe it was his first year there after his dominant run with the Lakers. Um, Shaq had a monster game, 39 points and 10 rebounds. But what stood out was just one of the better games that I'd seen in person. A double overtime game, and I think Clipper fans will remember Corey Maggette with the game-winning shot at the buzzer. And this was a game... That was back and forth. The crowd was into it the whole way. Of course, Shaq coming back to L.A., a big deal there. But just a great game. And we mentioned Bobby Simmons. There he was. He played 46 minutes, had 16 points, 13 rebounds, and 8 assists. Uh, Elton Brand, as usual, as he did in his Clipper days, incredible. 29 points, 13 boards, and 53 minutes. And we mentioned McGetty with the game-winner, 28 points. But I also remember Derek Martin, backup point guard, played 33 minutes. He hit a huge shot. To send the game into overtime, he had 12 points and 7 assists, filling in off the bench. Rick Brunson got the start in that ball game. came and played a lot as well. Kerry Kittles, Mikey Moore, Zelko, Rabraka, Quentin Ross, Mamadou Enjai, the others filling out the roster for the Clippers on that night against Shaq and the Heat. So Shaq had his big night, as we mentioned. Eddie Jones still a part of the Heat at that point. So it was just an incredible game, 114-112. And I just remember the shot for Maggette. And that was a game where, in a season where for that matter, where you could kind of feel the momentum shifting for that Clippers team and them starting to get better, even though they didn't really, really put it together until the following season. But that's one that certainly jumps out to memory. The the game winner from Corey Maggette, double overtime against Shaq in the Staples Center. An incredible moment to be there and, and witness that one. So that's the first one that jumps out. And that is mentioned, going into 2006, that was just really the time when you could tell things were changing and of course the addition of Sam Cassell was so huge in that but just really lucky and fortunate to be able to not only go to a lot of games that year but because just happened to have my dad be out of town for work for kind of big chunks of the playoffs usually would be me going with my dad and then we'd split with one of my sisters going with my dad with him out of town it was me and my sister going to pretty much every single playoff game that season. And, of course, there was uh, the great series against the Nuggets where they crushed Denver uh, in a five-game, call it a gentleman's sweep, but they really rocked them. But just re- remembering going to those Phoenix Suns games uh, in the Staples Center. And, of course, Game 3, I believe the Clippers lost by three. Vladimir Redmondovich had a shot to tie it at the buzzer and wasn't able to knock it down, so they went down 2-1 to one after initially stealing home court with a Game 1 win. Then coming back the next game, remember Sam Cassell being huge, tying the series up at two. And then, of course, there's the the Game 5 heartbreak on the road. Wasn't in person for that one, but watching that. And then coming back, to Staples Center for Game 6 and seeing the Clippers tie the series up and go to, go to a Game 7 in a series that, obviously, they ended up falling in, in Game 7. Uh, but those were, of course, the first real great memories of, of an exciting and great Clippers team. And then Elton Brand... Getting hurt the next year, leaving the following year. Uh, some tougher times until the Clippers, of course, ultimately ended up with Blake Griffin. Remember the first game that I got to see Blake in person. It's actually a game where it ended up sitting way up top in the 300 sections. It was the Clippers versus the Wizards. Another game that I believe went to double overtime. Uh, Eric Gordon with huge shots in that game. Blake Griffin's first career triple-double and Gordon had a three-pointer when the Clippers were down three late to send it to the first overtime, and the Clippers ultimately won that ballgame against a very young John Wall. So it was young John Wall, young Blake Griffin, Blake's first triple-double, and just kind of seen in person his insane, ridiculous athleticism, especially at that point where you're like, wow, this is something that you have to be... You can watch it on TV and appreciate it, but if you're there in person and seen this level of athleticism and excitement, that's when you kind of knew something special was developing and going on there. So that Wizards game stands out as well. And then going forward through a lot of the, the Lob City years, I was able to attend multiple games during that era as well, which was very exciting. I remember getting to see a random regular season game against the Timberwolves. The Clippers were wearing their baby blue jerseys, which were pretty sweet, the ones with the sleeves. And it was a game where the Clippers were down too late. Chris Paul and Jamal Crawford forced a steal in the backcourt to lead to a Crawford layup to send it to overtime and then Jared Dudley and maybe the the one good moment in his Clippers tenure hit a big go-ahead three with about 40 seconds left to win that one in overtime so I was there for that one that one stands out as well but when really thinking about the games that that stand out the most it's the ones that that mean the most playoff time Uh, and of course most of the games I've been to for, for Clippers basketball have been in the Staples Center but A couple of friends and I did think the Kings were going to leave Sacramento, so we went up to the Bay to see the last game, what we thought would be the last game in what was Arco Arena before they got their their new golden one center and stayed instead of moving to Seattle. That last game was against the Clippers, and it was the year after the Clippers had beaten the Grizzlies in seven. Jamal Crawford made huge shots to hold off the Kings and get home court for the Clippers against the Grizzlies yet again ended up not mattering. Clippers lost that series to the Grizzlies, but seeing that game, what we thought was the last game in Sacramento, ended up, of course, not being, but that one, and then, of course, as I said, playoff games were the ones that really stand out the most, and did get to see some of those home games against Memphis, which are great, but the Warriors series was really when Clipper playoff basketball kind of took another step up into another dimension, and That was, of course, no one really knew what that Warriors team would become. That rivalry was kind of budding at the time. Teams were were very even before Steve Kerr took over and things really shifted dramatically to the Warriors. But the Clippers winning that series and, you know, being there for game two after the Clippers had lost game one, a really dominant victory. I think they won by almost 35 points in game two. And then, of course, the series just shifting in tone so dramatically after the Donald Sterling recordings were released and just what that meant for the team and the fan base. And Game 5, uh, when the series was 2-2, of course, the Sterling stuff came out before Game 4 at Oracle Arena. Clippers turned their jerseys or their shooting shirts inside out and did that little protest and then played the game and could tell they just didn't really have any energy in that game, got Got whacked to, to tie the series at 2-2. Being able to go to Game 5 was one of the more moving and exciting things that I can remember as a Clipper fan throughout the years. It was just such a surreal feeling. He went into the arena, pretty much most of the sponsors had pulled out the, you know, the signs across the arena were kind of blacked out, and then really just the crowd being there for the team, and in spite of Donald Sterling, being there for the players and the ones that have worked so hard, and just as a fan base in general to show that we're against racism, we're against intolerance, and throughout the game the chance of we are one and just kind of feeling how powerful that was in that arena tonight and then it being a really great game with Blake Griffin making big shots down the stretch the Clippers able to hold off the Warriors to go up three to two and end up going back for game the series ended up going back for game seven I was unfortunately not in the building for game seven itself but of course the Clippers winning and advancing in the playoffs that year and and being able to to get past the Warriors and be the only team for quite a while until the Cavs in 16 to beat the Warriors up until that point so at least something to, to hang your hat on there but that one is is one of the more memorable memorable ones and will be for a long time and and then takes it to probably the best game that I've ever seen live was Clippers Spurs game seven and I'll always be thankful to my uh my good friend Omar for basically surprised me being hey you want to go to game seven the morning of and it was like yeah Absolutely, and ended up being, I said, one of the best games, not only Clipper games, but games that I've seen in person ever, and not only because, of course, Chris Paul's game-winning shot, which stands out at the end, but that fourth quarter, and especially the last six or seven minutes, might have been some of the best basketball that had been played ever, and you just go back and you look at down the stretch of that game, it didn't really seem like either team would miss. It was trading big shot for big shot against great defense. And even if shots were missed, there was scrums for rebounds, tough putbacks. Of course, now looking at it, a young Kawhi Leonard making big plays for the Spurs in that ballgame. Tim Duncan still kind of defying age and being dominant and making huge shots down the stretch. And and just clutch baskets back and forth each way. J.J. Redick with a huge three. Spurs respond. Danny Green with a huge three. Then you have Matt Barnes tying the game at 105 with a top-of-the-key three, kind of one of those... No, no, no. Yes, shots that he he put in to tie the ball game, and just back and forth. Just so many memorable plays. Danny Green with a incredible, improbable rejection on Blake Griffin. Uh, Tim Duncan making two free throws to tie the ball game, despite having one of his worst free throw percentage seasons that year. And then of course Chris Paul with the the bank shot at the end, and just not only the the feeling when the shot went in, but I remember leaving the arena and just kind of people shouting, singing, clapping, cheering on their way, walking out of the arena into the concourse and into the street and feeling the excitement for that team. And at that time, feeling like, wow, having just dethroned the defending champion Spurs, this feels like the year. And uh, of course, unfortunately, ended up not being. Clippers had their epic collapse against the Rockets, which still, I know, stings me, stings many other Clipper fans to to this day because that Rockets team unlike future ones, which, of course, added Chris Paul and had real shots to win, that Rockets team, I will maintain to this day, was (laughs) awful. And the Clippers blowing that series remains inexcusable uh, and one of the oddest things ever to happen. So just remembering that moment of excitement and going into that Rockets series knowing that the Clippers were better than that Rockets team. But, of course, it ultimately ended up not going their way, and we'll never know if they were able to potentially win what would have been a rematch against the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Of course, we will see, hopefully, this current Clippers team, if they get to play, have their shot to, to get past the second round and advance further and kind of wash away some of those demons from the Clipper pass. But Chris Paul, Game 7, despite any hard feelings about leaving, that's all kind of in the past now anyway. But uh, that one will always stand out as one of the the best moments, and maybe the best moment to date, for the Clippers, taking down the defending champs and winning nearly at the buzzer, one of the best moments of all time. This podcast is brought to you by True Classic Tees. What's up, guys? We got a new sponsor for our show and really excited to let you know about it. As style is changing, formal wear is out and the t-shirt is in, especially right now. Be honest, you guys, we're all at home staying with the quarantine. I tried to wear a nice outfit once, but honestly, Been in sweatpants and t-shirts for about six days. So, True Classic Tees, it's the perfect time to get some right now. They're a favorite. They're an L.A. locally based company on the rise. And best of all, the t-shirts are comfortable and more than affordable. They hold up in the wash, incredibly versatile, and they're only $15. And now you can get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com and use the promo code BLEAV. For 20% off, that's right, that's believe, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. Go there, get some comfy tees, and stay comfortable in the quarantine. Alright guys, and thanks so much again for tuning into this episode. There are probably several other games that I've been to that I'm missing, but uh, obviously many other games that I watched on TV, I'm sure you did as well. If you have any games that you've been to that you recall that you want to reminisce about, let me know. Tweet me at jesse underscore cast and follow along with the show. Believe in Clippers at Philippe Podcast is the handle. So thanks so much for tuning in again. As we said, there's so much more to go into in future episodes as well. we gonna try to keep it fun, try to keep it entertaining. But most importantly, you all out there, stay smart, stay safe, wash your hands, and we'll keep bringing you the good stuff here as you guys stay co- cool, comfy at home. We'll all get through this together. Clipper Nation will give you all the updates here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for a show for every LA team and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips.